to the weekly message from Angel of Joy Lutheran Church, an ELCA congregation located in Lufkin, Texas. Pastor Paul Guy and the family of Angel of Joy invite you to join us for worship at 10.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you should find yourself in our neighborhood, please enjoy this message and visit our website at angelofjoy.org. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I didn't even say the joke yet, Derek. Oh, Derek, that's not you. Who was that? It was a stranger? Just... Oh, thank goodness it's not Derek. Someone came in, took a bulletin, and left. We have an amazing church. Okay, well, the gospel, I started off like all of you do, and I know you do because you're Lutherans. But I, I did that, and I looked at the gospel lesson, and I thought, hmm, what does this mean to our church? What does it mean to me? What's the first thing people are going to notice? And the first thing I noticed was that Jesus was approached by a lawyer. Now, I know I've cut back on my humor a lot lately, just testing to see if anyone missed it, and nobody did, but I I did. So I've had an opportunity to look up a little bit of lawyer stuff. And this is the first one. A lawyer awoke in a hospital bed after a complicated operation and found that the curtains were drawn all around him. He asked the nurse sitting in the room, Why are the curtains closed? Is it night? There's a big fire across the street, the nurse replied, and we didn't want you to think that the operation was a failure. Good for you. Okay. A criminal gang burst into the conference room at a convention center where the American Bar Association was holding its annual meeting. More than a 100 lawyers were taken as hostages. The gang leader announced that unless their demands were met, they would release one lawyer every half hour. I was looking at Don in the back row, and he's going, jeez. <laughs> okay, one last one, and this is an easy one. A doctor, a lawyer, a little boy, and a minister were out for a Sunday afternoon flight on a small private plane. Well, suddenly that plane developed engine trouble. In spite of the best efforts of the pilot, the plane started to go down. Finally, the pilot grabbed a parachute, yelled to the passengers that they had better jump, and he bailed out. Unfortunately, there were only three parachutes remaining. The doctor grabbed one and said, I'm a doctor. I save lives, and so I have to live too. And he took a parachute and jumped out. The lawyer then said, I'm a lawyer, and lawyers are the smartest people in the world, and, des- and I deserve to live. He also grabbed a pack and jumped. The minister looked at the little boy and said, Well, son, I've lived a long and full life. 
you are young and have your whole life ahead of you. So tell you what, you take the last parachute and you live in peace. And the little boy handed the parachute back and said, Not to worry, Pastor. The smartest man in the world just took off with my backpack. (laughs) Oh, Jana, (laughs) you can give me a little smile. (laughs) Yeah. Ah, lawyer jokes, they're such an easy target, you know. And I have a daughter-in-law who's a lawyer, and her sister's a lawyer, and their father is a lawyer, and I don't dare tell any of my lawyer jokes to any of them. So you got stuck with them. Well, Jesus got stuck with a lawyer, too, and he knew that this guy wasn't just up there for, you know, a, a sharing of knowledge. The lawyer didn't approach Jesus, and and asked a theological question just because he really wanted to know the answer. He was trying to put Jesus on the spot like lawyers do when they're interrogating a witness. And so, hope that's not one of your cars leaving the parking lot. And so, he was on his toes. And As Jewish people who are really bright often do, they answered a question with a question. And he told the story. And you know the story. It's one of the most beloved parables of Jesus, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Well, a little background. The Samaritans were the the ones from the other side of the track, theologically speaking. They were the ones that that good Jews didn't, if they knew that they were good Jews, they wouldn't have anything to do with those Samaritans, those those uh, theological and ethnic half-breeds, if you will. And I use that term not to, to put down anyone of a mixed race, but to put down the bigotry that would use a term like that. Jews and, and Samaritans didn't really mix. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans because they figured they're really the ones that don't know how to worship. They don't keep the rules that we're, we've been given in the book of Leviticus to keep. They go to the wrong places to worship. We are not going to have anything to do with them. But pretty much the same way, if you knew that someone didn't like you and looked down their nose at you, You didn't like them right back again. It's a way of saying tit for tat, you know. If you don't like me, then I'm not going to like you. And if you don't like the way I worship, then I'm not going to worship the way you do. Well, you know the story. And Jesus was, and this was not an an incident that they read in the newspaper. This was a parable, a, a story of teaching that Jesus gave the people. He wanted them to learn from it. And so he answered that lawyer with the the parable that you heard. And in the end, the priest and the Levite just didn't offer any help at all to the wounded uh, sojourner. But the Samaritan, the other guy, the one from the wrong side of the tracks, was the one that stopped and not only gave him aid 
risking his own neck in the process because those robbers could still be hanging out there too. He took the risk to help this person in need and then he took him on his own in his own SUV and brought him to the nearest urgent care facility and he said here's my credit card you take care of him and and you bill my credit card for any other expenses that this person has yeah over the years Angel Joy has been an agent of benevolence in our community and beyond you know we've since I've been around, we've been helping many of you help for building homes in Habitat for Humanity. We have ladies that every week, Sandy is the, the expert leader, doing the, the quilts for the homeless people through the, the Christian Information and Service Center here. Helps the poor, the needy. The angel tree gifts to the underprivileged that that we give as a church to people at Christmas time every year. I remember the time that quite a few of us went up to the state school and, and spent a lot of hours painting up there or serving Thanksgiving meals at the Salvation Army or how many of you took the time to go down to to rebuild homes that were damaged from Hurricane Ike. You can raise your hands if you did that. It wasn't Ike. Rita, Rita, of course. Hurricanes, we haven't had one in so long. I got it confused. Knock on wood that we don't get another one this year now. Yeah, we are a small church that has done good, compassionate things for people in need. And your offerings every week also help to to provide the ELC with funds to provide emergency assistance in the aftermath of storms and natural disasters here and abroad. We are a service-oriented church. But sometimes when times get tight, it's hard to carry on the work. But even so, It's true that the practice of our religion in America can be so legalized that that it ends up lacking in human compassion. I remember an incident that that occurred in the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks when an interfaith prayer service was organized in New York City. Religious leaders from a number of religions, including Muslims and and Buddhists and Unitarians and others, had stood up in public to offer prayers according to their own traditions. And one Christian pastor, a leader in his denomination, did that too. And in the end was censured by his church body for participating in a pseudo-religious event with non-Christians. Sometimes our religion gets in the way of our Christianity. I remember a time when I was attempting to court a certain young German woman from afar. I had recently been discharged from the United States Army and was working in downtown Houston. 
At the same time, I was trying to fan the smoldering fire of affection across the Atlantic by sending letters nearly every day. I didn't want her to get used to my not being there. I wanted her to remember me and look forward to hearing from me every day. And so when I'd get off from work, I would drive down to the downtown post office, hoping that somehow bypassing the the, uh, suburban post office, it would get to her quicker. One day as I was driving the freeway, I spotted a car stopped on the shoulder of the fast lane in Houston, and I could see that it had a flat tire and that the occupants were just sitting there somehow hoping for assistance. Maybe they had their flashing emergency lights on. I don't remember anymore, but I do know that that I pulled in behind them. And when I got up to the, the driver's side door, I could see that there were three ladies in the car. And as I spoke to her, of course, with the road noise, she had to roll down her window just about an inch so she could hear me as I asked her if I could be of help. And the lady told me that she had a spare tire in the trunk of her car, but that none of them really knew how to change a tire. And so I said, well, I'll do it for you, no problem. And I could tell that in those days, you know, they had those little lock buttons that would pop up on the door, and they were all locked. I thought, well, okay. But anyway, she popped the trunk lid, and I quickly put on the good tire... And as I took the flat tire, I put it in her trunk, and and as I closed the lid of the trunk, barely heard the click of the lock clicking on the trunk when that lady hit the gas and peeled out, dusting me with road dust and exhaust fumes. I'm sure she was afraid that I might have been at some danger to the three of them, or perhaps she was just already late for an appointment, but I thought it might have been nice if she had at least said thanks or waved goodbye. Sometimes the good deeds are not done for acknowledgement, but just for the sake of compassion. Jesus never mentioned the response of the mugging victim. Did you notice? Or if perhaps his own built-in sense of prejudice might have weakened a little bit after his encounter with his Samaritan benefactor. We just don't know what became of the victim. But it's best to remember that this was simply a story or parable that Jesus made up in order to open up the minds and the hearts of his listeners. Nowhere did Jesus say that the Jews and Samaritans ought to like each other. Rather, he simply sought to have his listeners behave compassionately with others. If we treat one another, even strangers, even the other strangers that we're afraid of or don't want to to really get close to, if we do something kind for them, if we treat them with kindness and justice, Jesus knew that attitudes would change in the end. Some years ago, a young woman named Kitty Genovese was coming home from work in New York City when she was brutally attacked by a complete stranger on a street that had lots of apartment buildings right there facing the scene of the attack. In the aftermath of her murder, it came out that many people had heard her screams for for help, 
but subsequently did absolutely nothing to aid her, not even phoning the police. Her attacker, it turned out, had fled briefly, but then he came back again and finished the job. One person finally did phone the police, who arrived quickly, but sadly not in time to save the woman's life. The event made the news nationwide, and probably worldwide, too. Negative things about America often do happen that way. And it dramatically showed the coldness of heart of many people. Of course, most people said, well, New York City, what do you expect? And didn't take it personally. But it did have a positive effect. It spurred, it spurred a number of good Samaritan laws which protected those that would come to the aid of victims of accidents or crime, saying if they came to help, they will not be punished or sued for their compassion. But we have a ways to go. And Jesus understood this. I think if people need health care, a good place to go is to their physician or to their hospital or urgent care. If you have engine trouble, you go to a good mechanic. If you need a wood splitter, you go to your congregation. You go to the right place for the right need but uh, or the right help. But I guess if we're looking for a change of heart, then we go to Jesus. It's not by coincidence that he's been called the great physician, you know. He could heal people that were possessed or had chronic illnesses or birth defects. Occasionally, even the ones that had died. He could do that. But he hasn't done that for a long time, at least not as the Jesus with the white robe and the sandals walking the roads of Palestine 2,000 years since Ascension Day. But you know what? We can do some of that. He's gone to you, to me, to the Christian community, the disciples of today. And he said, look, you too can be as a Samaritan and help the other guy, the outcast. You can transform the world, even in a small way in your own small part of the world. It can all start with you. So I guess if there's a moral to today's story, it's that we can depend on each other if we open our hearts and reach out. And I don't know what to say about enrolling in law school. But that's a good place to end. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please provide feedback on the iTunes podcast page and visit our website at angeljoy.org for more information.